Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini, and this week's guest is a digital creator for Alpine Stars, Mr. Heath the Chief Coffrin. This is a, a great guy. We talk racing. We talk the, the synergy uh, and how the worlds between rock and roll and racing kind of coexist now and what Alpine Stars does and how why they're on top of their game and it's just a good podcast between two friends. I respect this guy. You're going to respect this guy. You're going to love this guy. And he is all, what you see is not an act. This is who he is. And that's why I had him on the podcast because, I mean, what you see is what you get. Just a great guy who's passionate about the brand. He's passionate about life and passionate about what he does. So enjoy my uh, chat with my buddy, Mr. Heath, the Chief Coffin. <laughs> One, two, three. Happy New Year, sweetheart. I mean that. Hey, it's BT with Tales from a Gemini on the eve of New Year's. This is New Year's Eve, Eve. And uh, we oh, had yeah. some technical difficulties on the first time, so we're going. It's the second time around with my buddy Heath, the Chief Copper. And I can't wait because, you know what? I'm like, okay, we get a second time around. Great thing. I know, right? And this guy, listen, right now, he's going through a hell that I don't know. I don't know if I can survive this. Right now, in Southern California, I, I, I can't believe they're going through – it's almost oh, yeah. it's almost fifty two degrees out there, folks. Let me take off my scarf. <laughs> <laughs> Something no one ever says during a moment of crisis. Let me take my scarf off. And once the scarf goes off, my neck was a little cold coming in today. <laughs> no one ever said during a moment of crisis. Let me take my scarf off. And that's when I knew <laughs> the hell would never cease. First of all, uh, two days after your birthday, he's ladies and gentlemen, he is a. a 51. He he is the uh, Mike Krzyzewski of of the Alpine Star. Look at this guy. Beautiful supermodel <laughs> looks. I mean, seriously, I thought I was a good looking guy. This guy. 50, uh, is it 51? 51, right? Yeah, just turned 51 two days ago. 51. And it's all natural. There's no, I mean, Mike yeah. Krzyzewski, Coach K, he, yeah, Coach okay, K, here, here, he's here. a fake. Look at this guy. But that's the Hawaiian in you, right? Yeah, Hawaiian, French, Native American, those are kind of like the what's going on inside there. I'm sure a lot more, but that's from what I know is the main elements. I didn't know you had Native American. Dude, you got a government check coming to you. You realize you were sitting on a gold mine? Hawaiian, French, and Native chief. American? Heat the chief. Get it? Bro. Heat the chief. Well, you never me. know. I mean, it, well, I'm from Oklahoma originally, so I should be B the chief oh. T. I should be. <laughs> I should be. I'm serious. I'm from Oklahoma. Yeah. We grew up. I'm a chair. I'm I'm Cherokee. I got hot cheekbones, no hair in my body. So, and I can run for days. Yeah. Before I have my hip surgery. So, dude. Okay. What, what what tribe are you? What tribe are you? Uh, I believe it was Abenaki. Abenaki. Told me. And where are they from? Uh, Midwest, I believe. Dude. I believe. I mean, so, I'm a, we might be related in that, in that sense. What? How great would that be if we were both from the same tribe? I, I doubt I'm Abenaki. I think I'm Cherokee. But still, me and you together. Dude, that's a sitcom. Two Native Americans <laughs> together. All right, listen. You're French, Native American, Hawaiian. Wow. I mean, if you're a woman and see this guy, you go, oh, my. But stay away because he's happily married. But me, I'm oh single. Wife. I'm single, ready to mingle. Yeah, so I'm, obviously, I'm, I'm African-American, straight from the hood. Look at me. I mean, oof. And I'm hooded up, right? Amazing, man. To always tons of energy. Yes. Always. And One thing I've American. always loved about you is that BT this. You're always seeing that. Well, you know what? Well, it, it, from, from afar, that's great. But if you're like somebody like Chad Reed, who I annoy, then yeah. It, it, <laughs> but but it, it's, a, it's a passion for what I do because I'm happy where I'm at. When I see you, I'm in the happiest place in the world. I mean, for some people, it's Disney World. For me... It's being at the races and seriously yeah. being around you. What I wanted to ask you though was, what was the plan for your life initially? Growing up in Hawaii, what was your plan in life before you got bit by the racing bug and motorcycles? What did you want to do yeah. with your life? Yeah, yeah. Well, for what I wasn't born in Hawaii. Let me get that straight. My mom and dad were born and raised in Hawaii, met in Hawaii, um, moved over here to California right before I was born. So I was born in Oakland, California. Oh, we got some hoodies. raised. Raisin Bay Area. Oh, so, you got a little hood in you. Oakland, yeah, Oaktown. Yeah. Oakland, yeah. You had to, so you got to have a mixtape in your in, in in your past somewhere, right? Oh, yeah, I was all about you know growing up in Oakland in the seventies. Like it was my mom had a story of we had a sixty six Volkswagen bus. Like I wish we still had it, but my mom had said someone 
we're going to the grocery store, like reached in and snagged her purse out of the van and like ran and she tried catching him. And it was like this whole thing. She was like, she was so scared for me and everything. But she said, we got to get out of Oakland. And uh, eventually we ended up moving to um, Fremont, which is up in the Bay Area, then Hayward. So I grew up in the Bay Area until 91, till I went to, got accepted to Long Beach State, moved down to LA in 91, and I've been here ever since. Why do you don't have a mixtape in your in your past? I don't, okay, you were in Oaktown, so you had to know Too Short. Then you went to Long oh, Beach, sure. it had to be Snoop yeah. Dogg. So did you run into any rappers at all back in those days? No, I was all about skateboarding. Like skating was my thing. So I was all about, you know, the 80s skate rock uh, back in the day. Steve Caballero had a band called Faction who I'm a friend with now and who also rides motorcycles, super passionate motorcycle rider. But it was all about 80s skate rock for me. It was skateboarding. It was BMX. Like that's all I did in the 80s. I didn't even ride a motorcycle for the first time until like 94. 394 about my first motocross bike what was but it? to what get to it? your initial question that was the first my first introduction to motorcycles was um um dirt bikes i used to go to elsinore motocross track like every other weekend with my buddy um we would rip up the track and i had a two-stroke um honda for a while i had a kawasaki 252 stroke and i was a motocross guy for a long time and then got it getting into Triumph came out with a, um, a Bonneville in 2001. Mm-hmm. And I was a big fan of Evil Knievel. Yes. Who didn't? Oh, look at this. Oh, no, you did. Oh, yes. That, yes. Wyatt, yeah. do you see that, Wyatt? If you had that in, as a kid, you were in. That was the, what the in crowd did. I have yeah, no so idea what that work. is. Uh, listen, can you please explain to my producer, Wyatt, who Evil Knievel was and what that is right there? Could you please explain? Oh, so Evil Knievel was the original, you know, motorcycle stuntman. I mean, the biggest one, I guess you could say. And, you know, you know, he's influenced, you know, so many people. You know, Robbie Madison talks a lot about Evil Knievel and all these guys talk about Evil Knievel paved the way. And he did it on almost a 500 pound motorcycle with no suspension. None. None. Jumping buses and cars and like he hardly wore you talk about gear he hardly wore any gear at all when he would crash his boots would fly off his gloves would fly off like it was crazy the dude had balls of titanium you know dude, for the things that he did everybody loved evil Knievel I mean honestly you would stop what you were doing it, it was wide world of sports and if you knew evil oh, yeah. Knievel was jumping something you stop what oh. you were doing like okay evil Knievel's jumping and we yep. would watch it I've, honestly. I think it went, as far as everybody in the world knowing, it went Muhammad Ali, Evil Knievel. Because everybody <laughs> loved No, they did. Because when he, won, he, when he jumped true. those buses in London, and remember, he, he messed up there, and he had to fall, and he goes, let me walk. And we were like, what? And my dad was like, this dude's crazy. <laughs> my dad was like, this yeah, dude's crazy. Right? And he tried to walk. And I remember that. And, and I mean, seriously, everybody knew, and everybody loved Evil Knievel. Yeah, so he was like the guy that I looked up to as a kid. I had all the toys. I had one of the similar toys like this. I had the wheelie cycle. I had everything. Yes. So when Triumph came out with the Bonneville in 2001, like the classic modernized Bonneville, I was like, now that is a cool bike. And then I was doing my research. I'm like, wait a minute. Evil Knievel jumped Caesars on a Triumph. And I'm like, okay, if there's a bike that I'm going to buy, like it's going to be this bike. And so I waited a couple of years just to kind of see how the bike was. And everyone was like, dude, this bike is amazing. Then they came up with an all black Triumph Bonneville. And I was like, that's the one for me. All black, I'm in. I went down the dealership and bought my first bike. And I still have that bike to this day, 120,000 miles later, um, doing some uh, road trips to Mexico, to Canada, like 18 different states. I've ridden that bike everywhere. Flat track raced it motocross raced it, um, hooligan flat track, road race style track day. And dude, I've done everything on that bike and I still have it. And that's what kind of paralleled me into racing. I was testing an exhaust at the time for this company I was working with. And I was going through some of the Canyon roads and I knew the exhaust was a little bit low, but I'm like, it's not low enough where I think I'm going to scrape it really bad. But I told him, I think it's a little low. So I'm coming through some twisties up near Yosemite, coming home from San Diego, um, Sacramento, where my parents live. Mm -hmm. And I was coming down some windy roads by myself. 
and there's this left-hand turn that I took and it was cambered. So it was more cambered. So I didn't lean, I leaned over what I felt was normal. And then the exhaust scraped the ground. It lifted up the rear tire. I slid out and I fell down the cliff about 30, 50 feet on my back, slid down the back. Meanwhile, my look up at the top of my bike is like balancing at the top. And I'm like, holy shit. But I was fine. I was cool. I started climbing back up the mountain yeah. and I see my bike there. I'm like, please just stay there. Please just stay there. And then this lady pops her head over the side and she's like, ah! And I'm like, what? She's like, I thought I was going to see a dead body. I'm like, will you help me? And so she like reached out her hand and helped me get back up. And I got back on the bike and the bike was relatively okay. The shifter was broken, but I could still shift it with my foot, just a little lever. Ended up making it uh, all the way home. And when I got home, my friend was like, hey, we're going to this concert at Alex's Bar in Long Beach. You should meet us there, dude. I heard about the crash. You know, come and have a drink with us. And like, hey, you're cool. You're fine. I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. So I rode down to the bar. And as soon as I get to the bar, there's this white limousine out front, like an old school limousine with the Foo Fighters logo on the door. And I'm like, wait a minute. I've seen that before. There's a song called White Limo by Foo Fighters. And I'm like, that was in the video. And I was like, no way. So I go inside and one of my friends who was there, who's friends with Dave Grohl and Dave Grohl was there. And I'm like, no shit. And I'm like, I met Dave Grohl a few times, um, was in the studio with him, with Lemmy recording a song, which is a whole other story. So I knew Dave. So Dave came outside to smoke a cigarette and he's checking out my bike because it was all evil Knieveled out. It's red, white, and blue, custom paint, glows in the dark like it's this incredible paint job if you haven't seen it yeah seen it. and so dave was like why is your bike all dirty like what's going on with your bike i'm like oh i crashed he was like oh well, i see now your pants are all shredded up and he's like what were you doing and i'm like oh i was kind of testing this exhaust and coming home he's like well, why didn't you just do that on a track or somewhere private and i was like that's that's a good idea and i did my first track day because of that dave Grohl and that kind of reason. got me into racing that kind of got me into racing, you know, doing my first track day. So Dave so, Grohl is the reason that you did your first track day. Yeah, he really is. He was the one that kind of talked about, kind of gave me the idea when I wasn't really thinking about it. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I would like to try a track day. And then the club that I was there with, BA Moto, they built a race bike for me out of crashed bikes. And we had this Frankenstein race bike that we ended up winning the Pacific Coast Championship in Arma in 2013. I won like four races in a row, Willow Springs and Sonoma and all these races. And it was, I had a blast. I had a blast racing for a few years and that was, it was the best time of my life. Why didn't you get like them to sponsor you? Foo Fighter Racing? How cool would that have been? <laughs> the Foo Fighter Racing team? Oh my God, have Dave Bro come down every night and do a concert? Dude, that'd be, that, that would be amazing. That would have been awesome. I mean, so, I mean yeah. they got in, endless money and you know, it didn't cost that much money to race back then. Dude, you should have, that was an opportunity right there. You should have thought it. No, not at all. Like Dave was, he was just always, you know, a buddy that we would see from time to time. And it was, he it was always, I mean, he's one of the most humble people. One of the nicest people. He seems like it. He seems super like cool it. guy. So, super, super cool guy. Tell me about when it was him and Lemmy. Cause I, uh, oh, I want to hear the him and Lemmy story. This is a this is a great story. Nothing motorcycle related, but I mean a good story nonetheless. Um, so I was in a band for about twelve years. I was a singer for a band called Mind Driver, and the manager of our band was also the manager of Motorhead. And so Motorhead, giant metal band, yes. um, completely different genres of music from what we played to what he played. Um, but our manager knew a lot of people and was really connected. And obviously that's why we went with him. So he called me up when I was, where I was an engineer at the time when this was happening and he called me up at work and he's like, Hey, are you, um, are you, do you have one of your demo? Um, do you say demo tape, but you have one of your demos? And I was like, yeah, I have one of my demos. He's like, could you bring it to this address? Uh, and I'm like, sure. I'll bring it after work. He's like, cool. What time is that? Blah, 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 whatever. Are you by yourself? I'm like, yeah, I'm up myself. I'm like, why? He's like, oh, I just wanted to check, you know, so we bring, come down to this address. So I go to the address and I pull up to the address and there's like nothing. There's no sign. There's no, there's no indication of what it is. And I'm like, um, so like push the doorbell. Someone's like, hello. I'm like, I'm here to see Todd Singerman, our manager. He's like, one moment. 
and the door buzzes in. And I was like, oh, no way. So I walk in the door and there's gold records everywhere. And I was like, oh, recording studio, sweet. So I'm like, hey, I'm here to see Todd Singerman. And they're setting up, you know, the recording studio. And they're like, oh, he's upstairs. And so I go upstairs and knock on the door and Dave Grohl answers the door. And I'm like, uh, hey, what's up? I'm here to see Todd. And my manager is in the back. He's all like, hey, back here. And I'm like, no shit. So I just played it cool, you know? Yeah. I'm like, hey, what's up, Dave? And Lemmy was in there. I've known Lemmy forever because of our management. And so I'm like, hey, what's up, Lemmy? And I go back to my manager and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? He's like, Dave is recording with Lemmy and I wanted you to meet Dave and I wanted him to have one of your demo CDs. So I wanted you to come and meet him. And I'm like, no shit. So I ended up hanging out the whole night with them. Dave like let me stay for the whole recording studio. So I ended up getting to watch um, them record the song and I have this Foo Fighters tattoo. Oh, on my that is kind so of, rock and roll. Kind of through the stories of that led to this. So people always ask, why do you have a Foo Fighters tattoo on your finger? I'm like, it kind of is in connection with that. Dude, so there that you go. Cool. That's the gold. Pretty That's cool. the gold right there. See, I, I knew, you know what? You do have that lead singer kind of vibe to you. I mean, no, seriously. Because when you, if, if you guys ever get a chance to go to Mud OGP or any race or whatever, uh, uh, the A1 or whatever, any, a motocross race, supercross race, you got to see this guy and he operates like a lead singer. Me, 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 like he makes things go, but in a cool ass way. And now yeah. it makes sense because you're a lead singer. Yeah. I, now that you say that, I guess it does kind of make sense for what I'm doing here at Alpine Stars. I'm one of our uh, speakers for all of our events and I get a chance to inspire and educate all of our dealers and people that are interested in what Alpine Stars is up to and being a passionate writer you know and having the ability to speak in public you know thousands of people I don't care it's all about yeah you're always representing always but that passion comes through and and you know I've heard it many times before at a company a party we just had I got the opportunity to speak to the company about what we're doing and I'm just so passionate about this brand what we do what we're here to do what our goals are as a brand and then they love getting a chance to tell that to people and to tell people why they should care about who we are as a brand almost 60 years VT of Alpine Stars and we're coming up on that so all the innovations that Alpine Stars is doing you know it's I I'm blessed to be at the forefront of communication on that. And the, the whole connection to the lead singer thing, I guess it, it totally makes sense because you're, you're a lead singer of a band, you're projecting you know, these songs and these visions and words you want to tell kids about at the time. And you're doing kind of the same thing with motorsports and with people that ride or drive. So, I mean, it's, it's been a great you know, path that brought me to here. And I'm just super happy and super lucky and fortunate that I've had this opportunity. Well, dude, I mean, honestly, think of what you just said now and what I just said. It makes it A stars, okay? Racing yeah. and rock and roll. I mean, <laughs> I mean, though they're synonymous if you think about That's it. True. Because, okay, in rock and roll, you love the stars. I mean, look, we both love rock and roll. We just love music, period, right? And yeah. you love the stars, okay? Like, you know, the, the front guys of the band, the lead singers, the guitar players, right? They're the stars. And then when it comes to racing, racing, if you know racing, if you're the geeks like we are when it comes to racing, and like you know, Mark Marquez walks in like oh, they're rock stars in that and and in oh, so, so, that community, so, so. they're the rock stars. So a star, it makes sense because if you're a, that means you're primo. That means you're number one. And a star, it makes sense. A stars. And then if anybody has ever seen the promo video for A stars, my God, I was in the tent when I first saw that, and I was like blown away, like. Yeah, they're right. I mean, it made me want to get something that right then and there, and it makes sense. It's so sad. Why don't you guys come up, come out with a rock and roll line? I mean, seriously, <laughs> like no. I mean, you think I'm joking? But come out with a rock and roll line, the A Stars rock and roll line. I mean, dude, because because that's what it is. I there mean, are some, you know, with within the Oscar line, you know, rock and roll has a certain style and a certain fashion to it, right? Especially traditional rock and roll, and some of our stuff pays tribute to the classic, you know, realms of motorcycling, you know, there's the, the Oscar line has that kind of sixties drawback to that style, you know, but it's always about progression, but you know, the rock star mentality of, you know, that kind of style, I mean, we'll always encapsulate that because I mean, that's where we came from, from the early sixties, 1963, 
is when the company started. So, you know, there's some stuff that kind of have some throwback, you know, to that, you know, rock and roll kind of style as you're talking about. For some reason, sure. right now, as we're talking about this, you know what I'm thinking, or what I'm visioning in my, in my brain? I'm bit, for some reason, I'm thinking of Ian Asbury from the cult playing Sanctuary, riding with the leather and the shingling things, right? <laughs> and and with, the, with the bandana playing Sanctuary. Yeah. And that has A-stars written all over it. You guys my should God. go to him and back a truckload of money up to his house and go, listen, would you shoot this promo commercial for it with your song, a, with your song Sanctuary and come out with the oh Ian Asbury A-Stars lineup? I mean, seriously, A-Stars jacket, the rock and roll Ian Asbury line. Dude! It's so funny. It's so funny. But that is so rock and roll. That's so you. It's sanct- <laughs> it, listen, if you're riding on a motorcycle when you hear Sanctuary, that's at least that's at least another 30 miles an hour faster than the speed limit you're going to be riding. And with the leather and the shingling things, dude, it's a no-brainer, bro. There's uh, there's a guy that we that we work with, and we we get the opportunity to work with a lot of VIPs and celebrities, musicians, actors, and one of them is uh, Billy Idol's uh, guitar player, Billy Morrison. Yes. And so he just hit me up about you know coming to this rock show that they're putting together, and uh, it's great to see, you know, rock and roll guys that ride, you know, actors that ride, and you know they come to us, you know, for for protection that they want, you know, and are not doing their jobs. And that's, you know, another cool part of what we get to do as a brand is support people that are super passionate, like yourself, about motorsports and riding and getting to tell that tale of Alpine Stars and why we do what we do is the best protection you can get in any form of motorsports. And when you really think about what Alpine Stars does, it would take at least 10 brands to really do what we do as one brand. Because you think F1, Dakar, Supercross, Motocross, MotoGP, World Superbike, karting, uh, NASCAR, I mean, Dakar, you name it. Like every form of motorsports, we have athletes and teams all over the world that support those kinds of riders. And so it's, it's great. It's just so cool to be a part of something like that. Well, because now is the time where show business and, and sports, they're all synonymous now. They come together. Where it, There was a time when it was like kind of separate, but now the way the world is now, which is so beautiful, those worlds, they, 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 they coexist now. And you see that crossover. You, like now yeah. on the grid, what we saw Gronk on the grid. You know, I, I took a picture with Orlando Bloom. You have, uh, yeah. you have you know, other stars on the, on the grid. You know, rock and roll stars. F1, they had uh, uh, Megan Thee Stallion, I guess. I mean, I don't know. That, that, yeah. But, but yeah. yeah, so... That's what it is now, and now is a perfect time to launch that rock and roll brand. I'm telling you, man, <laughs> you guys should do it because now is the perfect time. Because now, oh when you see, the great thing about racing is, and I love this setup to it, like in football or basketball, you see on the sidelines maybe, but they don't interact with the with the athletes the way they do in racing because they're on the yeah. grid where you see where a Hamilton or Marquez might be on his bike. And then, like, you know, an actor will come around and go, hey, hey, Mark Marquez, this is, you know, this is Gronk. He plays football. Hey, how you doing? He's, as he's getting ready to race. And so now you got these two stars meeting for a brief second. And that star knows what this guy is about to do. So he's kind of like standoffish because he knows what he's yeah. about to do. And right now, I honestly think so. I mean, it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of truth, though. If you can come up with a line where people feel like they're a rock star and they're an athlete at the same time, I think that would cross over so much. And being in Southern California, you had the access to that. I'll, I'll make a comparison to what you just said that's relative to what we already do. When you're talking about you know, being on the grid, and I was there um, with Orlando when Orlando wanted to meet some of the riders. And he's like, you know, could I, could I, could I meet him? And I'm like, of course, he's like, of course you can. And so he wanted to meet Marquez and he wanted to meet, you know, some other riders. And it was Rossi's last race, you know, in the U.S. And he kind of walked over and he was super nervous about, you know, wanted to say something to Rossi. And Rossi's guy looked over, um, I think, I forget what his name is, his buddy. And he was like, hey, that's Orlando Bloom right there. And he's like, yeah, 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 come over. And so Orlando was like, I don't want to bother you, but, you know, this is such an honor, you know, thank you for everything. And then Rossi was like, of course, you got to come to the ranch and ride. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he was just, it was that one of those things where it's like, like you said, he had so much respect for the athletes and they have respect for each other. But in connection with that, you think about the term influencer, right? And what that means. Yes. You think of yourself as a writer. And you want to ride, you love riding, you want to do motocross, you want to do track days, 
but there's people that you look up to like Marquez and Fabio Quattraro, Jorge Martin, like all these guys. And even as a kid, right? You even like why I bought my bike. I want the bike that or, that Evil rode. Yes. So when you go to buy gear, it's like I want to wear the same gear that Marquez wears, or Fabio wears, or Jorge Martin wears. And so there is that kind of cross rock star is vibe that comes in by wanting to wear the things that the fastest riders in the world wear. Yeah. And that's one of the great things that Alpine Stars does within the brand is make the products that the teams and the riders, you know, say, I have to have Alpine Stars. I have to have that airbag system or that helmet or that gear because it's going to keep me safe if I'm going to crash. And then the everyday guy like you and me commuting to work, if it can protect them, it can protect me too. So there is that kind of, you know, it's not exactly what you're saying, the rock star line, but it's inspiring, right? Yeah. All of what you're talking about is inspiring people to wear something cool. But what we're trying to do is inspire people to wear the most protective gear possible. And if you can protect someone winning multiple championships and winning Dakar back to back to back to back to back, you know, it can protect you, you know, and that's one of the things that we relevate from most is developing products with the fastest athletes in the world so the everyday person can enjoy those characteristics that makes it a great product. And that's how I'm connecting it in to your rock star line. You want to do is the influence. But you, but the thing about it is you look good doing it. Hold on, officers. Have a great 2022, officers. I mean that. Be safe. God bless you guys. But uh, have but but you want to look good doing it is what you want to do. I mean, and and, 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 and if you're a dork like me, you want to look just like Marky. You want to look like, honestly, you look like Black Marky. That's good. me. I mean, you don't understand, man. When I take my bike out of the garage, and I, I lie to you not, I'm backing it out, and I literally think MotoGP. So I back it out like GP, and I got the center stand, and I stand, I'm serious. I start it up, <laughs> and I'll take a step back, and I pretend like FP1 is starting, and I, and I get on my bike. I slide to you not. <laughs> and then I pull off, and I'll take that look back like Marquez does and make sure nobody's coming. And then I get into the and I get into the street and I do my stretch Merging. and I get my stretch on the bike and then I'm gone. But every, I'm talking every time, and I can't yeah. be the only adult that's that dorky doing it. So if you yeah, if, sure. so if you come out with a line of products that look just exactly like those riders, there's got to be there's got to be guys like me who will buy that because they think they're that person in their head. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There are some things that we have like with Ducati. We did um, kind of a replica jacket through the Ducati uh, MotoGP suits. That was a limited edition thing that we had done. So there are small things that do come out in a limited edition escape, uh, limited edition scope um, that people, that the everyday person can buy too. It's once in a while that it comes out, but when it does, I mean, it usually goes pretty quick. Man, I, I'm almost hesitant to bring it up, but I think it just, it, it deserves it because and that's uh, the relationship you had with Eddie Van Halen. I, I, I love that. I saw the picture of him in the motorcycle and you guys rode together. And yeah. dude, it, iconic is an understatement, but you knew the yeah. person. And I mean, if you could just tell us a little bit about that, if, if, if yeah. you want to, if you want to. Yeah, of course. I mean, Eddie was, um, he ended up becoming, you know, a very, very, very good friend of mine just through both of us having a passion for writing and one of my friends that I worked with through Alpine Stars an editor you know wrote wrote me and said hey I'm doing this piece with Eddie Van Halen a writing piece um he has this uh bike that uh, we're going to do a ride together on and I want to get him some gear and I'm like dude absolutely and so he connected me with Eddie and I'm like oh my god he just gave me Eddie Van Halen's phone number and so I ended up, I called him for the first time and he knew I was calling because of my friend and I was talking to him and I was like, I'm like, going, uh, <laughs> inside I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. But as I'm talking, I'm just cool. Like, yeah, man, just want to make sure you're, what size are you? What are you into? I just want to make sure you're all set. And so I ended up just getting him some gear for the shoot. And then I sent it to him and they had an awesome ride. And then my buddy said, um, no, Eddie had written me back saying, hey, everything fit great. You know, thank you so much. And then my buddy hit me back like two weeks later saying, hey, I'm still in town. I'm going to go for a ride with Eddie. Do you want to come? And I'm like, absolutely. And so I was, I had an arch motorcycle at the time. So I was doing some work with them. I mean, I wanted Eddie to try, maybe try the, the arch motorcycle. So 
we went and did a ride together and I was like, man, Eddie can ride. And so we were ripping through the, the town and my buddy was kind of like, wait for me, like in the back. And Eddie and I were just like, yeah, kind of going through. Yeah. And then uh, and it started raining a little bit towards the end of the ride and none of us had rain gear on. And um, Eddie had took a, a picture of my friend that looked like he pissed his pants. And we were just cracking up and I still have a photo of Eddie like pointing to his crotch. So, you know, we just became really good friends through our passion for um, writing. And then, you know, we didn't really talk about music. You know, it was, there was just this connection that we had. And, you know, I ended up going to his house for his birthday parties and we would have breakfast together with his family and my son. And he was, you know, Eddie was uncle Eddie to my son and, he would like play videos and he would want me to send them to Eddie and Eddie was like, Oh, Charlie, you're getting it down. You got to move your foot this way or do you got to do this? And he was like, okay, uncle Eddie. So it was like, we just ended up becoming really close through our passion for riding. And Eddie ended up buying a bike. I advised him not to get the most powerful one. He ended up getting the monster like 1299 or whatever the fastest monster was. Yeah. And I was like, Eddie, I'm like, that bike is way too fast for you. I'm like, you should have got this one. And I was like, yeah, but this was the fastest one. And I want the fastest one because Eddie would do track days with his cars. And, but he never did a motorcycle track day. He was supposed to do one with me, but he was really, it, at the time, he wasn't really feeling good. So he wasn't going to, he couldn't do a track day. Mm -hmm. But anyway, you know, he ended up getting this bike and we went for a ride. And he's like, you're absolutely right. This bike is really fast. And I'm like, just be careful, dude. Cause I know you, you're going to want to And so I ended up going for a ride with one of his friends and he ended up crashing and he called me and he's like, Hey, could you come by the house? I want you to check out the bike. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Cause I lived relatively close to him. Mm -hmm. And so I went to his house and the bike was like dented and dusty. And I'm like, what? I'm like, did you crash? He's like, yeah, that's why you're here. I want you to take the bike. I'm like, well, what do you mean take the bike? Take it to get it fixed and what? He's like, no, I want you to have it because I don't want to have this bike anymore. It's too fast. Uh, I'll get a slower bike and you can just keep this one and fix it. I was like, uh, okay. So, <laughs> so I took the bike and like had it. And then he ended up getting the Scrambler, which is, you know, the bike I initially asked, um, told him, advised him to get so he got the cafe racer ducati scrambler which he liked perfect power perfect riding position for him because he wasn't super tall and uh i ended up having the bike um eddie's bike um and i was working on getting it fixed long story short someone stole the bike out of my van af as i was trying to get it fixed and the police weeks later i called eddie and i'm like they stole the bike and he's like easy come easy go he didn't care. He's like, ah, whatever. He's like, it's not meant to be. It's not meant to be. And I said, you're absolutely right. If I wasn't meant to own that bike for whatever reason, that's what the earth is telling me. And so a couple of weeks later, knock on my door and they look in the peephole and there's two police officers there. At, the, at this time, I thought the bike was gone. Like I wasn't even thinking about, oh, it's the bike. And off, I open the door and the officers are like, you Heath Coffrin? I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, what happened? He's like, are you the owner of a red Ducati monster, you know, with Eddie Van Halen? I'm all, uh, yeah. I'm like, well, we found the bike and the guy is with the bike right now. He's like, did you loan this bike to someone? I'm like, no, it's stolen. And he's on his radio. He's like, nope, the bike is stolen. Um, you can detain, you know, the guy. And so they took the guy and they took him away and they said, hey, the bike's here if you want to go and pick it up. And I'm like, save me on some towing and all those fees where they store it. Yeah. So I bolted down there and the two officers were there that ended up catching the guy. And one of them had like bloody arms and it was all messed up. One of them had like marks on his face. And I'm like, what happened to you guys? And they're like, wait a minute. First of all, we need to know, like, how was this Eddie Van Halen's bike? And then they gave him the story, like Eddie gave it to me. And they're like, no way. He's like, yeah, it was worth it. And they're like knuckles with each other. <laughs> they're like, this was Eddie's bike. And um, so the guy ended up, stealing the bike he put a different plate on it from a ninja 400 and that's how the cops knew because they ran the plate and they're like that's not a ninja 400 and so they followed him because they didn't want him to run because they can't chase him yeah so as soon as he parked the bike the guy bolted when he saw the cops kind of show up and they caught him the guy kicked him in the face he got caught on a wall they pulled him off the wall so the guys were like all battered and bruised so they were like super happy that 
that it really was Eddie's bike that they helped get back. And those guys were so proud and they were super cool. And it was a story that super blessed to get that bike back. And every bike that I've had so far has been stolen and I've gotten it back. So hopefully it never happens again, but three, three times is a charm and I'm grateful for it, but I do not want to deal with that ever again. Getting a bike stolen just absolutely sucks. Who's your insurance company? Cause they want some <laughs> State <laughs> Farm. State Farm has been great. Flo wants to talk to you. <laughs> well, hey, I've gotten them all back. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you boomerang that? I mean, seriously. Oh, I did. There's nothing anybody could do. To, to grace yourself by getting the motorcycle back. It's the luck of, luck you know, the gods of speed, you know, whether you're going to get it back or, or not. So, so where, where's the bike at now? The monster, where's it at now? Um, one of my friends is working on it. Um, and it's actually, he's taking care of it for me because he has a lot of bikes and he's helping me with the bike. He's a very close family friend of mine that um, is helping me get the bike, you know, where it needs to be. Because it was pretty banged up and I wanted to do some, really cool Van Halen stuff to it as a tribute to Eddie. And eventually it's, I'm not ready to ride it, to ride, ride the bike yet, you know, but I will be. And when I am, it'll be something special. So. Dude. I mean, honestly, yeah, man. I mean, I had to have you tell that story again. I just, I could tell it hits you and it, it hits me. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's Eddie, man. I mean, and, and we said it before we said it again, I really think the more you think about it, Van Halen might be the greatest American rock band there was because now the influence, if you, you almost have to go to Kiss because they found Van Halen, but sure. the talent-wise, what Van Halen brought to the game, yeah. I don't think it was, I mean, you can't be, it, it can't be equal. I mean, think about it. The, uh, uh, Eddie goes without saying, but we go, the, the bass section, I mean, the rhythm section with, with Alex oh, and Michael, you know, yeah. Michael Anthony. You, you couldn't really be Van. They had no weakness. The only weakness was David Lee Roth, but he was the greatest front man, but he couldn't really <laughs> yeah. sing. But for a front man, you couldn't beat him. I mean, yeah, they, they might be the greatest American rock band there was. I mean, can, can, sure. you, can you name one better than them? Mm. Right off the top of the head. No, especially off from their time. I mean, they... I mean, Eddie created that sound, right? That was so inspirational and influential to so many guitar players wanted that Eddie sound. When Eddie would, you know, do something, there was a sound like you don't even have to listen for two seconds. You'll, oh, that's Eddie. Yeah. He just had a way of playing that, you know, was so unique and so different. And like, it was, it was such a pleasure and honor to call him a friend. And he still is. Anytime I hear Van Halen to this day, like I get a little teared up because um, I'm really bummed that he left us. I He left us way too early. Yes. And it was really tough because he was going back and forth to treatment. We were texting each other and he's like, I'm not in a good place right now. I'm not doing too hot. And I'm like, dude, just know I love you and I can't wait to ride with you again. And we're going to feel that win on our face and that love that, you know, that riding gives you. And he's like, we'll do it, buddy. We'll do it. And then it was just, he really got, it got worse after that. And, you know, it just, it was really, really sad to see him go. Top five Van Halen albums. Not oh, in order, just top five. That. Not in order. Uh, five. Top five. Okay. Not in order. 5150. 5150. Okay. 1984. Okay. Van Halen. Of course. And Van Halen too. Okay. But 1984, I think, was going to be my favorite. Dude, I mean, it, to me, Drop Dead Legs, I mean, oh, it still gives me the prickles on the back of my neck. <laughs> drop Dead Legs. I mean, I can just see myself walking to a UFC fight, playing that song, and just getting ready to fall. Oh, I mean, Van Halen, that was, I mean, God, that period of time, man, was when Off rock and roll was rock and roll. It just had... It had rhythm, but it had solos. And I, that's what I miss about nowadays is the, the, the blazing solos. You know what I mean? Yeah, and Eddie had that solo, you know, that was just, you knew it was Eddie. And I, know I said that before, but there is. There's just a, a tonality to what he had done that was just so unique. And like Hot for Teacher, how that song started, like reminded me of a dragster. Yes. Like it was like, and I'm like, oh, it's a dragster about to start going, you know? And that would always get me pumped up. When I used to skateboard in the, in the 80s, like that was my song when I was gonna skate vert or skate half pipe. Mm -hmm. 
I'd put that song on in my headphones and I'd, like, doo -doo -doo -doo, and I'd go and I'd drop in and be like, yeah. <laughs> and I was just so into it, man. Yeah. Okay. Top five Van Halen songs. Top five Van Halen. And don't, don't have to be in, in a particular order, but top five Van Halen songs. Um, top five Van Halen And I'm going to say, I already know Hopper Teacher's one jump, of them. Jump. Okay. Hopper Teacher. Panama. Yes. And um, <laughs> 1984. Uh, how many songs is that's that? That's four. That's four. That's four. Yeah, that, that's good. Dude, there's something about Ain't Talking About Love. That oh, yeah. it, it reminds me of a Friday night. I don't know why, but it reminds me of a Friday. Ain't talking about love. You really got me. And for some reason, uh, oh, it, it's, it's the album with the twins that are uh, the Siamese twins. Um, uh, uh, don't tell me what love can do. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just oh, Van Halen right now, and I'm just going top of the head, but there may not be a better American rock and roll group. I mean, cause, because every group had their, they were good here, but they were uh, here. Like Aerosmith, yeah. Aerosmith comes to mind, but I mean, after Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, it's like the rest of the group is like, huh? I mean, no offense, but like, huh? I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. It's a different kind of, you know, a rock legend, you could say, where, you know, Van Halen is just a different kind of legendary status of what they did in, in the world of music and how they changed rock and roll music and music videos. You know, you look at the videos that Van Halen was doing in the 80s, like no one was doing a lot of the crazy story videos that they were doing. So, I mean, yeah, man, Van Halen will never, will never die. And at the time before Eddie had passed, I was trying to get, um, a limited edition Alpine Stars Van Halen boot going. Yes, Eddie with was color. like, "What the? Oh, we, yeah! We, like, like, I'm telling Can you, you imagine dude. if I would have done that. I wish I would have done that. Dude. Like, I was so close to making it happen, but we just, we just didn't make it happen. I'm, but I'm telling you, man. who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe that's something that that I can still work on with this family. We'll see. Or a helmet, dude. A helmet like the guitar with the, you know, with the yeah. design. I think that would be the greatest tribute ever. And the boot, a boot to match. Yeah, Dude. the Tech 10, I wanted to do a Tech 10 limited edition Van Halen boot. Like, this was, I don't know, four years ago, five years ago. Who knows? But if somebody, if somebody knows? listens to this podcast and they contact Alpine Stars, hey, I don't even want to cut. I just want I just want recognition, like, you know what, because of BT. And, and, and yeah. he, they made it happen. And I mean Yeah, that. I got to talk to Wolf. I got to talk to Wolf about that now. <laughs> well, well, well you, you're around like the the biggest of the big stars and we talk about this and we joke about this and i always use chad reed as my reference but you're around right. the biggest stars of the biggest stars in athletics and entertainment is there one person then you met the biggest of the biggest that one that made you go uh, uh where you couldn't really fake not being a fanboy um it you know the as far as far as all of that goes it's there's there's the athletes that still you know, the first time I got to meet Marquez, you know, inside, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know, but I've, I've felt that way in meeting actors, too. But there was something about meeting Marquez for the first time that was like, I felt like a fanboy, like for the first time, you know, and, and getting to see them more often and more often, like, you know, you still get that, you know, when I go to MotoGP and we're in the paddock and, you know, if an athlete you know, if our team needs help and bringing some gloves or whatever, I'm like, yeah, I'll help. Because <laughs> I like finding out about these guys that you look up to and you watch them on, you know, watching them on MotoGP is like, you know, watching, you know, actors in movies, right? It's kind of the same thing. You're just, you're admiring someone's talent and what they do and, you know, kind of where they take you in the space of, you know, entertainment. And so there, there's been times with different actors you know, where I just kind of pinched myself and they're just people, right? They're just people that have a passion for writing. And we're fortunate to work with a lot of actors that, you know, when they're downtime, when they're not filming, like they want to ride as much as possible. You know, Keanu Reeves is one of them. Yes. It was, um, you know, one of those guys that as soon as he's done filming, he wants to ride. He does, you know, private track days. He'll go on rides, you know, with just his buddies just to go and escape and do that. But it's just cool to, to have that connection you know, and keeping something like that safe, you know, and it's a really cool story about Keanu. He um, recently got his, you know, hands and feet in the man's Chinese theater. Yeah. You know, they 
put that stuff in the um, concrete. Uh -huh. And so he had messaged me saying, hey, did you see what happened today? And I was like, I was like, no, I didn't see what happened. And so I looked it up and like, I, I found this video of him putting his feet in the concrete and he's wearing the Alpine Stars boots that I gave him. And I was like, no way. And I called him, I'm like, are you serious? Did you seriously wear those boots for Man's Chinese Theater? And he's like, yeah, I thought you'd like that. They're my favorite boots. I was like, oh my God. And I was like, couldn't believe it. Dude. Couldn't believe that he chose, like out of any boot he could have chose to like solidify himself in the Hollywood, you know, yeah. memorabilia, whatever you want to call it. And like the legendary ground where since the twenties, people have been putting their hands and feet in that place. And he chose to wear his Alpine Stars boots for that. And like they interviewed him and I found this video of him saying, yeah, I wore my Alpine Stars boots. They've kept me safe. You know, I've had them. And I'm like, no way. It was just so cool that, you know, guys like of that nature, you know, do something like that. And like he could have worn whatever boots he wanted to. And he chose to wear the Alpine Stars one and was like, hey, check this out. I'm like, no, it was cool. Yeah. You just build these relationships, you know, with people. And it's just been, you know, a dream and a treat. And I'm just so blessed and gracious to have this opportunity to support not only the fastest athletes on the planet, right? But also some of the best actors and storytellers of, in, the, in our planet. And they love to ride and them choosing alpine stars to protect them like that that hits me in the heart yeah. right because they want to be safe when they're not doing the day job right you know and they choose us you know for their safety and it's huge man and i don't take that light to heart and um you know i always want to make sure that those guys have everything they need when they want to go and have some fun and even trying to set some things up for them to go and have some fun you know whatever we can do to give them the best experience possible that you know, in, encapsulates them within the world of motorsports that they love and just happy to be a part of that. And what have you noticed being around the best of the best athletes? Like, is there like a, one particular trait that they all have? I mean, like being around, being in that intimate spot with them, you kind of maybe see stuff that we don't. You see how the you see how the hot dog is made, how the you know. So, what do you notice from those guys? People like Mike Marquez and and being around the best, you know, the F one drivers. I mean, not you know, and maybe not naming names, but what do you notice that they do that you go ah? There's just a, a different way of thinking that I feel a champion would have. A different way of of taking situations and challenging moments. You know, when someone like Marquez goes through this horrific crash and snaps his arm in, in, in half, basically. And what does he do to come to rise above that? You know, he tried to ride like right after it happened. And it's like, there's a mentality that these athletes have and even the actors have where there's just a mentality to overcome any obstacle, to be the best at what they're doing, you know, to master a scene or to, if it's a rainy day race, you know, like, what can I do to be at the best of my game? I might not win every single race, but my goal is to be as consistent as possible to win a championship. So there's a championship mentality that I've seen in every athlete that's being very smart, very thinking ahead to analyzing every situation to be at their best, no matter what the condition, no matter what pain they're going through, there's a mental capacity to a champion. Um, and even like the best actors in the world that, that this not the average person has. And if there's little elements that I can pull from these guys yeah. and learn from them, you know, I'll do everything I can to have a little bit of that in what I do and apply that to work and trying to inspire coworkers or distributors or dealers, um, anything to, just to show the passion and love that I have for the brand and what I feel like I'm here to do. I try and learn from these champions, you know, just little things here and there. It's it's a blessing, man. I know I keep saying that, but it's it's true. It truly is. Who's the last person you learned from, and, and what did you learn? And what did you learn? <clears throat> the last person, I think it would be Mark Marquez. Would you, you know, in in overcoming the diversity and a mental getting past the crash and people saying he'll never win a race again. And people saying, oh, he's done. And then on my side of things, it was getting past some struggles, you know, that I was having going, I can 
I can get past this. I can be, I can have a championship mentality and, and put this challenge behind me and move forward with what I'm best at, with what I know I'm really good at and just focusing on that, but taking what it takes for a champion to move ahead and to, yeah, he won a race again and won a race again. It's like, it's inspiring and you want to, you want to adapt that kind of championship mentality in everyday life. And I try and do that, you know, all the time because things will always happen like this whole COVID thing and everyone's dealing with that. Like how can we rise above that and be as smart as you can be to, you know, keep yourself safe and keep yourself healthy. And so there's a championship way I think of dealing with everything. Greatest Moto GP rider that's on the Alpine Stars roster now. You oh, gotta pick you one. You yeah. gotta pick you one. You gotta you pick one. That. Otherwise, we take everything from those shells right now, including your evil Knievel. So you gotta oh, pick, you gotta pick the greatest Moto GP rider now. Now, out there now. Well, I mean, greatest Moto GP rider, what do you mean by that? In, like, in your eyes, in your eyes, and just your eyes, and you however you However way you process it, in your eyes right now on the grid, and there's a lot of talent on that grid. Matter of fact, I'm going to go on a limb and say this is the greatest grid MotoGP has ever established, and that's saying a lot. So, And the, look at the brand. Look at the bikes. Like the bikes, like KTM is rising up, and Aprilia wants to be up there. And, but, you know, there's a lot of, of motorcycles that are becoming faster, and riders are becoming faster. Quit evading quit evade the answer. The are growing. Quit evading the answer. But, <laughs> hey, I'm a judge. Really answer That's the really question, counselor. Counselor, <laughs> answer the question, counselor. That's a really tough one to say, but I think I would say the most successful rider that's on the grid is Mark Marquez. Well, the most duh, successful. I mean, right, who's most but right now? like for next year's championship, I mean, there are so many possibilities for Alpine Stars athletes. I mean, look at Jorge Martin, right? The rookie of the year had a horrific crash oh at the beginning of the season yet comes back, you know, like I was just talking about championship mentalities. Look at Fabio Quattararo, you know, winning the championship after, you know, the stuff that was going on with him and the ups and downs. But you look at the champions that rise to the top. Um, Jorge Martin is going to be, you know, out there looking, looking to do even better than he did last year. Pepco Bagnaya, you oh know, second. Oh, my God. Like How much talent so is he? Yes. Fast rider. Fast rider. Marquez getting healthier and healthier. Fabio wants to win another championship. Jorge Martin wants a championship. Peco, so close to that championship. He wants it too. Davizioso is back on Aprilia, you know, full time. Like the crit is going to be stacked. And so there's going to be a lot of people hungry for the championship again. And I, it would be great to see Marquez come back and win another one after everything that's happened to him. Yeah. It would, but I also would love to see you know, Jorge, Mar uh, Jorge Martin win, yes. Peco win, Fabio win a second. There's so many Alpine Stars athletes. Dovi. Yes, you know, Dovi's coming back. But I would love to see Raul Fernandez. Is he one of your guys, Raul? Raul Fernandez, yeah. Dude, yeah. there's something. Hey, I'm, I want there to be a series called There's Something About Raul. Because let me tell you something. Remy Gardner winning that championship. I love Remy. He deserved it. Don't get me wrong. But the whole time I was going, there's something about Raul. I mean... Yeah. Every time, okay, Remy did this, but you go, who's this dude? And it was something about Raul. Maybe it's the look. What about Pedro Acosta? Pe I mean, Pedro Acosta goes, he, he goes without saying. He goes without saying. Dude, I mean, to me, the competition. dude, that the mental he had for when he wasn't on to, to still capitalize on like, okay, he had a bad race, but you know what? He still finished ahead of his competitor or only one space or one place behind. He was always on and to be that age and what he did. But back to the question. Okay, greatest supercross rider lined up on the grid this year. Oh. The best supercross rider, not motocross. We'll get the uh, uh right, I know, I know. I mean, look at Cooper Webb coming back from championship. There you go again. You know, you got there like Tomac. Again. There you go hungry again. for another one. You got Jason Anderson. You have so many. Oh, there you go again. There you go again. I want you one. You can't make me pick one I guy. Can't make you know, one. I can't. How many talented athletes that Alpine Stars has under this wing to pick one? It's, it's impossible. This is like the scene in, in, in Pulp Fiction, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm Samuel L. Jackson, and you're Honey Bunny, and the other... <laughs> and, and, I, and I want my wallet. So you better give me the answer right now, or somebody's getting shot. 
Hold on for a second. Happy 2022, guys. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Hope you guys have a great, great year. I mean that. So, yeah. So, back to you, buddy. I want the best Supercross rider lined up on the grid right now. One answer right now. Or we're taking your evil Knievel. <laughs> right now. Uh, that's so difficult. Like, I would love to see Aaron Plessinger, you know, win a championship. Aaron Plessinger's... Uh, I can't pick one, VT. We'd love to see Eli win another one. Dude, uh, AT, uh, okay. World Motocross, the grid. The greatest motor on the grid now for World Motocross. For, 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 for World Motocross. For, uh, oh, Jeffrey Hurlings, of course. Oh my God. Is Jeffrey, Jeffrey Hurlings is a beast. Like, full, healthy Jeffrey Hurlings, unstoppable. Uh, okay. That's who I would want to be. One, if, if I could be any motocross rider in the world if i could just matrix in my head to him and feel what that feels like that's what i would love to feel that describe jeffrey hurlings to my producer wyatt i'm trying to get wyatt to be a moto dude to be a but if you can describe jeffrey hurlings to my buddy wyatt here he's a rocket he's a rocket he's a rocket on dirt what he said it, it makes you go like this wyatt you know when those, when those girls walk by i go oh my god he, the way he rides you go i mean seriously it, it, yeah there's some videos that he puts up like he does some training on 250s and like he's just redlining, he's just redlining the bike everywhere. No, 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 no. And you're like, how is it possible to ride a motocross bike like that with that much focus and confidence and control? Like, I just can't comprehend that. He's, and like, he's a speaking Dutch of that, James Stewart. He's a Dutch James Stewart, is what he is. <laughs> he really is. And you've uh, you've you've done a track walk at Supercross, right? Not the track you, walk. Not, not, I never done a track walk at uh, Supercross. No, no. Oh, you got to do that. Getting a chance to see the track and walk the track, to see in person what those guys ride through, you, you, it would completely change your mentality of of what those guys actually do on a on a nightly basis out there. And to, I mean, the whoops are like this deep, and they're just skimming over the top of them. Nah, 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 nah. Or if I was gonna do it, I'd be like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd be yeah. I'd be rolling every single one. Like, I'm not doing hey, that. True story, man. I, I take, when I get a chance, when I take an acting class, I take a motocross class, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm stupid like that. I'm 53 and decided to get a motocross bike at 53 and take up motocross at 53 with no health insurance, by the way. So I'm taking a motocross oh, class. And it's me. It's literally, literally me, a, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a nine-year-old. And I'm getting smoked. Me too, man. I, that's the one thing I don't want to, I don't want to risk. Yeah. Like too many of my friends get hurt riding motocross. I'm like, I'll stick to road racing track days any day of the week. I would do 15 regular road race track days to one motocross track day. And you know, we say that I interviewed this uh, young motocrosser coming up named Amari Arnold. I want you guys to sponsor this dude. This kid's going to be a superstar. He's my last podcast. His name is Amari Arnold. Look it up. The kid's going to be a star. So his, and I asked him, hey, you ever going to do road racing? And his mom goes, because his mom's like, you know, she watches over him. She's just, you know, uh, everything to him. And she's like, no, nah, I think it's too dangerous. And they think, they think road racing is too dangerous. And I think it's just funny how what we think is dangerous. Like the, the motocross guys think road racing is too dangerous. And the road racing guys think motocross is too dangerous. So I, and I love how yeah, that we is. did. We did a uh, friends and family ride day at Willow Springs. And we had Justin Barsha come out um, and do some road racing track day with us and one of the first things that he said was i can't believe the traction you know that you guys have and he had so much respect because he actually put himself you know out there yeah on the sport bike yeah. you know trying to get his knee down and he eventually did but he was just like he had this whole other level of like i don't know how those guys do that and then Marquez will say the same thing about those guys like Eli's like I don't know how those guys ride those supercross tracks like that it's like there's a there's a level of respect for each other that you know they always talk about and Chaz Davies one of our athletes said you know every road racer wants to be a supercross racer and every supercross racer wants to be a road racer so it's funny when you actually get those guys together and everybody respects everybody except quad riders. <laughs> Nobody likes quads. You know, it's great. I got into it with some motocross and we were going back and forth, but it's funny. Nobody likes quad riders. <laughs> what, <laughs> what it is? There's always a hatred for quads. Have you seen a sidecar cross yes. before? Yes, that's crazy. So sidecar cross is something that I wish I had the capability 
you know, the pull, yes. I would love to bring sidecar cross to the US. Like if I could snap my magic fingers yes. and bring like, have them do like one season series here, yeah. of like 10 races across the US. Oh my God, those guys are nuts. Absolutely nuts. If you've never seen sidecar cross, I've look it up. That. Yes. Uh, we have the last two champions, uh, the guys that work with Alpine Stars athletes. Of course you do. You know, but watch those guys, man. Of it is crazy what they do. Being that this is going to be released on the eve of A1. And as we wrap up here, it's got to be the last question. On the eve of A1, as they're going to be oh, not up on the grill, on the grill, oh. on the grid. Tell me who the winner is for A1. That's our last question. We got to go. Oh. Tell me tell me who's going to win A1. Mm. Damn it. And I don't want a long-ass po uh, political answer. Okay, 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 okay. Cool. Who I would like to see win. Um, okay. Happy I'm New Year, guys. Eli I'm going to say Eli. Eli Tomac. I would love to see Eli win okay. the opening round. Got you, brother. Man, we I'd love to see that. God it would be it. great. We we gotta go. I appreciate you. I mean, honestly, I appreciate you braving damn near apop uh, apocalyptic conditions in in Los Angeles. I mean, it's damn near fifty four. Yeah, I'm gonna put my scarf back on now yeah. so I can go back outside. <laughs> it's damn near fifty four degrees, and you and you did it. Fifty four. It has been a pleasure, my friend. Honestly, it's always a pleasure, BT. Dude, Seeing that smile on the screen is not as good as in person, but I'll take what I can get. Dude, you represent the brand, and we both are connected through our passion and inspiring people, and you definitely do that. Sure. You're a leader. You're a, a better person than people even think you are. You just, you're just awesome. You are definitely my friend, and I'm happy to know you. Thank you so much for your time for this, buddy. I appreciate that. Happy birthday. You happy New Year to you, my friend. Happy holidays, and I look forward to seeing you hopefully at a race soon. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. Okay. Th All right, BT. Thank you so much for watching Tales from Gemini. I'm BT, and you know, like we say about this time, you know the word, pay.